WATD presents Monday Night Talk with your host, Kevin Tachi. You're a good man, Charlie Brown. You're good at what you do, too. She is Natalie Jacobson. You are the dean of South Shore Broadcasting. Putting the South Shore spin on politics, current events, and pop culture. Best-selling author, Dave Wedge. you got to say that. I'm sorry. Thank, huh? Thank you, Mayor. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Wonderful to be here. Kevin's been a long time. Thanks for all you do. All you, you know, your local news icon. We appreciate it. Oh, Kathy's doing a great job at this. And I've decided she's jelly. I got to be peanut butter. There was a debate about There was a debate about that. There was that. a debate. You fine with jelly? I'm fine with jelly. Okay, good. Jelly spikes my sugars. Good evening and welcome to Monday Night Talk. As you know, I am not Kevin Tachi, and I'm going to be your host for the first hour with Massachusetts State Auditor Diana DeZaglio. Welcome back to Monday Night Talk. It's great to be back. Thanks so much for having me, Kevin. Jermaine Wiggins member of the 2001 Super Bowl champion New England Patriots. Welcome to Monday Night Talk. Oh, thank you for having me. Anytime. Not just economic development, but it's how to get the businesses involved. Senator, I want to thank you. Thank you, Kevin. I appreciate you being a, a voice bringing so much community news to uh, to folks here on the South Shore. And now, your host, Kevin Tachi. Welcome and good evening. You are, in fact, tuned into Monday Night Talk here on 95.9 W. ATD, and we have uh, another great lineup. I feel redundant by saying that, but uh, we'll kick things off with uh, a gentleman who is running for state representative in the 1st Plymouth District. He is Scott Hokinson. He's going to join us in just a moment, and so we'll do a little bit of a, a rundown. Uh, following Scott will be uh, the State House Report with uh, State Representative Kathy Lenatra. She also will be the uh, co-host of the first hour yes first hour first first hour uh she goes by code name jelly <laughs> <laughs> um interesting enough hour number two we will uh we'll do a little bit of a crossover between monday night talk and uh the wednesday night show of the jv team with uh, jared valenzola uh the host along with one of his uh, co-hosts Corey welch will be in and we will talk a little bit about what is going on up in New Hampshire the eve of the big vote. I mean, but here's the thing. It's kind of like anticlimactic climatic because you have two candidates and Donald Trump right now is ahead in the polls mm-hmm. and it's just a matter of time before Nikki Haley says, eh, you know, I'm not to suspend this thing. But we're going to talk about it anyways uh, because, you know, it probably would have been more exciting if Ron DeSantis stayed in the race. But he did not. And then we're going to close things out with uh, another, another little bit of a crossover between Monday Night Talk and the car doctor here, the car doctor, every Sunday. I believe it's from 11 to 12 o'clock. John Paul joins us, and we're going to talk, talk about uh, winterizing your vehicle. If you haven't done it, you better get on it. Better after this week. <laughs> after this week. I know. We kind of, you know, it took a bit. I mean, I didn't winterize my beehives until two weeks ago. <gasps> Well, it was warm. I was, was golfing warm. two weeks ago. It was warm. And, you know, we put the insulation on them. And mm-hmm. wouldn't you know it, we have a cold snap. Well, you did it just in time then. Just in time. Saved those bees. And they're, and they're still, and the, the hives are still thriving. Really? It's fantastic. So uh, we'll talk with him about that. And also, I'm going to ask him, how, how is the used car market these days? Someone wants to buy a vehicle. Um, you know, what do we look for? What's the mileage? Mm. I, I remember back in the day, you know, when, when I first Got, bought my first couple of cars. You look for something that had, you know, 50,000, 60,000 miles. And you were lucky if it made it to 140,000, 150,000 miles. These days, 
I, when I go to look on some of the different, you know, cars.com or whatever the app is, the people are selling cars with 200, 210, 220. I'm like, and the money they're asking. Right. Times have changed, that's for sure. astounding. So we're going to get his take on that. So, and I, I do want to say, is, uh, I want to thank uh, State Representative Matt Muratori uh, sending a, a quick note and saying that he was uh, appreciative that we... We made changes to to the opening. So. Oh, did he hear? So I just I just got a text too. But as you can see, I can't find my glasses, which Matt is probably laughing about right now. Um, so I couldn't read my watch. Want to see if mine might work? <laughs> Thank you. So we'll turn our attention right now to our very first guest. Did not? They don't work for you? Okay, I, I'm nearsighted. So uh, Scott Hokinson, who is our guest, uh, Scott, welcome to Monday Night Talk. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. For folks who don't know who you are, and who who knows how many who who do know you, um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure, I grew up in Marshfield on Wiffle Tree, uh, across from the, uh, the country club. We just go sledding on like the fourth hole over there. Okay, um, went to school at Sacred Heart in Kingston, and uh, but all my friends growing up really were from Plymouth. Uh, so when my wife and I uh, got married and moved back home uh, in 1999, we bought a home in Manomet in Plymouth, and that's where we started raising our five kids. We still live in Plymouth now, and I have children from 24 down to 14. Um, in 2013, um, I started uh, Brabo Insurance, um, started above Kevin Galrani's Cape Auto Body paint shop, oh, very nice. uh, <laughs> where I got to smell fumes every day at 200 square feet in a dream. <laughs> and uh, it is almost 11 years later. We have 28 employees in Cordage Park. And um, Plymouth was very good to me during that whole process. And I have a great story about how my business got going. And um, I'm looking forward to giving back to the town that helped me survive a, a tough time in my life when I uh, started that business. Tell folks about some of the, the boards and committees and some of the um, organizations that, that you were a part of that you're either a member of or maybe you're currently chairing, sure. anything like that. Yeah, well, I, I, I grew up where service was part of our family. My, my parents were always involved in the community. I was involved. We all know uh, there's a, a Marshfield celebrity here. Jim Cantwell had me out volunteering as a teenager at, at events he was involved in. Um, and I've been involved day one when I moved back to Plymouth. Uh, I ran a youth group uh, in Manomet that I was proud of. We had 150 kids showing up to pizza parties on Friday nights. Um, and I did it selfishly because I had a newborn baby. And I wanted to find the best babysitter in the South Shore. And uh, and we did. Uh, I'm happy to say one of the babysitters we found at that event ended up being godmother to our fifth child. Oh, that's uh, sweet. It really worked out awesome. Um, but I've been involved in the small business community. Um my whole life, uh, I was a chair of the um, the S Small Business Association of New England uh, for a number of years, and today I serve on uh, the Chamber of Commerce in Plymouth. We're actually this Friday, uh, Kathy, if you're going to be there, I hope to see you there. I'm actually being named chair of the uh, board of directors 
for the chamber for the next two years. Yes, and I will be there. Yeah, yes. I'm very proud of that. It's, I you know, was my there peers, to, uh, yeah. you know, nominated me to be that. I was business person of the year in 2019, uh, mostly uh, due to my charitable work in town and all the different stuff that we help with. Today, I, I serve on um, Pilgrim Hall Museum uh, with Peter Brown at Tiny and Sons. Um, he recruited me for that job, but in the past, I've been he on is a, He is one heck of a recruiter, isn't he? <laughs> he is. He can't say no is. to him. Listen, you know, honestly, when I started Brabo in, in 2013, there were a few people in town that I really looked up to, and I yep. hoped that we would be viewed in similar fashion. And, you know, he was certainly one of them. And I am proud of the fact that even when things were tough for us, um, we continued our, our community involvement. You know, one of the things I'm most proud of um, is when the pandemic hit. Um, I, did, I get paid on enrollment. I sell health insurance for a living. So my job is helping people navigate health care, both seniors and employers. And when the pandemic hit, if people don't have um, employed health insurance, I wouldn't have gotten paid. Every Tuesday, we ran a seminar, and we had hundreds of businesses attending that seminar with us telling them what we knew since the past week. And I am incredibly proud of the work we did helping people get those funds, understand the funds, understand what you were eligible for, what you weren't eligible for. And we had bankers, attorneys, CPAs. We had people that people go to for advice coming to us just to hear. But we had um, – it was just one of the things I'm most proud of. And I think it was a real turning point for our business. We didn't sell one piece of insurance for those six months. Uh, nobody bought new insurance for those six months. But they saw – what good people we were, you know, and how sincere we were in trying to help. Kevin Hennessy is a partner of mine at, at Brabo. The two of us, the only two that showed up, we might have been breaking some COVID rules. Everybody else stayed home, but we, <laughs> the two of us showed up to work every day. And um, we literally worked to find out how to get our clients resources that they needed to stay in business. And um, we stayed in business. Uh, our employees never missed one paycheck. Um, and um, I'm proud of that work. So, there's a lot of community involvement, but but that that doesn't show up anywhere, and that's sincerely in my career the proudest moment I've ever had. Helping people through that. Well, it sounds as though you have you are quite busy with a lot of, you know, community work and, and giving back to your community and and family and, and serving on boards. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, reason to run. Why? What made you say? This I want to run for state representative. Oh, first I was asked, and I tell you, okay. for, for somebody that's involved in a lot of charities, that's one of the most important things you have to do is you have to ask people to get involved. And I think I'm learning that um, in politics, the same thing. Um, sometimes you have to be ask people to get involved. Mm-hmm. And um, I was asked uh, by a member of our legislator. Uh, to join, and then the first person I called is the woman sitting across from me here, and uh, we had she gave me her time literally six hours later, um, and we got together at a local restaurant here, and um, and we sat for an hour and a half, and then my my wife and I then discussed it over over the course of the weekend, and over that time, the number of people that reached out to me, word got out a little bit that I was interested. Mm. And the number of people from both sides of the aisle, from every aspect of Plymouth, it was incredible how many people reached out to me to say that they thought I'd be good for the job. And that's why I'm doing it, because I do think I'd be great for this job, for this particular job. I look at 
what the first Plymouth district is. It is two thirds of Plymouth. It's from Bradford Liquors to Market Basket South. That's my. I'm learning the map, you know. And I look at the work Kathy has to do between Plymouth and Kingston and the other towns that she has to work in. Much more difficult job, you know. Not that this is not an easy job, but I know Plymouth. I lived in Manomet. I've lived closer to town now. Uh, my kids have grown up here. I've been at every Forges Field, and you know my signs everywhere. We're sponsored to everything in town. I know Plymouth. I think I could do a great job. And I'm at the point in my career where my business runs really well. Um, I've got really good people that I've taken care of for a long time, so they're taking care of me now. 80% of the business runs without me. That last 20% is very important. Okay. Um, but um, I'm still needed every day. Um, but I think this is a job I can handle um, that I could do, and I think I'd be fantastic at it. I, I really think that I'd be a great resource for Plymouth. Um, and our diverse communities. We have a lot going on in Plymouth, um, and I think I could be a good voice for everybody. What do you think of some of the needs of the district? What are some of, some of the issues that you know, that are either ongoing or that you know we could see down the road? I think the most important issue for Plymouth right now that I'd have to spend my time on is the affordable housing crisis. To make Plymouth affordable for my children to make a Plymouth affordable for our teachers, policemen, firemen, and everybody else that's working in the town. And that comes with very interesting challenges. I spent, I was asked, uh, similarly, uh, a member of our planning board passed away, and multiple people reached out to me to fill in his seat uh, for the nine months, and I was proud to do that. 22 to 23, right? Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. I did that as, as best I could. Um, I didn't know all the rules going in, and it was a challenge. I had some great mentors there, and Steve Bulletin, and uh, and some others that really did help me understand the rules, and they were great coaches. Um, and we have some challenges with housing, and especially with the MBTA rules and, and all that stuff coming. We have to do something about making Plymouth affordable again. And I look at the five children I'm I'm raising, and and we got to find a better path for them to be able to stay in Plymouth because it really is a wonderful town. And I think you need that youthful energy, you know, to grow. Um, continuously and to make it a, a robust place. I, I know another one of the initiatives that you see is a, an issue, and that is um, the environment. How closely have you been following the um, decommissioning of the Pilgrim nuclear power station, the ongoing fight in regards to the contaminated water and the thoughts to evaporate it or even dump it into one of the bays? How closely are you following that? And what's your thoughts in regards to you know being one of the voices if you are elected, you know, you, if you get past the primary in September and you're successful in November, being a voice in regards to protecting the environment in Plymouth. It's funny. One of my friends asked if I had to go scrub my Facebook posts from the past once I announced. <laughs> and, and I saw so I'm like, oh, geez, I don't think so. I went through. There was one from about two summers ago where I was fishing and, you know, we're out catching stripers and. And I, I just said something about, can we just not put anything bad here? You know, and I, can we can we just agree that that's that's a rule? Mm. You know, I literally it was just a funny comment I said as you know I was fishing at five in the morning, you know, out in, out out in our beautiful bay. So, um, and the whole tech property is such an opportunity. Um, living in Manomet, you come over the top. All you see all day long are um, mountain bikers. It's one of the best unknown and special places to mountain bike. Uh, the hiking there is really good. you got great views when you get to the top. Um, I spent my youth in the woods of the Pine Hills that are now mostly houses, um, down Old Sandwich Road and uh, then down to Cedarville Beach and, and, and what have you. So 
we also have Miles Standard State Forest, too, which is one of the most sensitive, you know, the Pine Barrens of Miles State Forest mm. have to be protected just as much. And I think utilizing our bay in an appropriate way is one of the greatest opportunities we have. I've spent a good amount of time researching kelp. And it's kind of a funny story. I was getting a clam roll at Wood Seafood, which everybody should do, you know, a couple times a year. And <laughs> I was sitting there, and there was a guy pulling weeds out of the ocean. And he was, it looked like he was spending money to pull weeds out of the ocean. And I literally went over there with, you know, tartar sauce on my tie and asked him what he was doing. And he was a farmer from Duxbury pulling kelp out of the ocean. And he needed to use Plymouth's crane. We've just invested about $4.5 million yes, on yeah. that dock. And we have this impressive crane that he could pull the kelp out. And I've spent the last two years researching kelp and working with guys like Steve Cole mm-hmm. and, um, and you know the harbor master and other people in the Department of Environmental Protection and and farming you know, the oysters they pull toxins out of the ocean out of out of the bay and and put good stuff back in kelp does the same thing uh, protecting the whales being the number one priority when you farm in our area. Um, there are ways to grow kelp out there. So there's ways to protect the environment, but also utilize it. And that also creates really interesting jobs um, that we don't have yet. And I think, you know, our especially uh, what Steve Cole's been doing, he has a blue-green conference that's in its second year now that was really well attended. And we've got, we had, my, my office is in Cordage Park, and we had teams from MIT and others showing robotics being sent out onto the, um, uh, you know, right out of our back porch uh, into the water. Um, pretty exciting stuff. So, um, yeah. And, and the, the third thing that I'm really focused on is helping kids find diverse careers. Um, I have five children, and college has been the right path for some and not for others. And I look forward to different paths, you know, that. Votech, are you a. I, it, it, it's, it's exciting and challenging right now. I have an eighth grader right now, and he, uh, my, my youngest son's adopted, and he came from a rough start. Um, and, you know, I joke, we don't have parent-teacher conferences. We have summits. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we have a team helping him get through his academics. Amazing kid. Really smart kid, very popular, great personality, struggles academically. Okay, He's on the five percentile of the neuropsych eval that we did, and... You know, it's just a challenge, and the teachers are working with, with him through that. But I tell you, if you put him and his classmates in the middle of Miles Standard State Forest, they'd look to him to get him out. He's one of those kids, smart, you know, but just academically he struggles. So I have been working with his vice principal, which, by the way, you know, he's at PCIS, and he has a vice principal who does amazing work with him, understands him, and, and helps guide his, his path. Um, and I talked to him about, you know, what's the chance of Jacoby getting into the Vogue Tech program? Mm. And to be honest with you, it's 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 not very great because there's so much competition for it. There is, and the positions are so precious. And I know Mark Langer, you know, and other people that are running it. And I don't think Jacoby's going to get one of those spots. Okay, and I can argue that's good or bad or whatever, but I think he's going to be beat by other candidates for those 28 spots or whatever they're going to be for the, the different things that he's going to apply for. And that's fine. He's got me in his life. He'll be fine. I'll I'll get him on a successful path, but there should be more of those slots. I, I really think there should, and I think we can build those, and they create great jobs, 
every one of my clients that's in the trades needs more help and they will take anybody that has a little bit of a base um, to help them get started. Uh, I also want to talk about, we have an incredible um, program in Plymouth called Map Academy. And uh, it, it's what is Map Academy Map for those Academy who don't know? Is, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a charter school, but it's for kids whose path of regular high school wasn't the right choice. Okay. okay. There might be some discipline issues, issues there, but there are also kids who are financially supporting their families mm-hmm. and they can't handle the, the, the rigorous hours that school requires. So, what Map Academy does really well is Scott goes in to learn. When Scott stops, the curriculum doesn't go on without him. When Scott comes back, he's still on the same page. Why does it sound like an ind- You ever heard of Independence Academy in Brockton? I have not. Okay. Independence Academy was uh, something that was uh, championed by uh, late Mayor Bill Carpenter, and it was for in- for individuals who who were str- struggling uh, with education. Maybe they were having problems with mm-hmm. with, with substance, drugs, alcohol. Mm-hmm. Something knocked them off course, yep. and this was just a, this was another way. And at the time, and this we're thinking like ten or eleven years ago, if I'm correct, that you know there were only three of these in the Commonwealth of Mass. Brockton had a fourth, so I'm kind of wondering if it's yeah, a, if it's along yeah, yeah. if it's along that footprint. Yeah, so I think um, what I what I've known, I know one of the social workers there who's been you know a coach to my kids and stuff like that, and yep. he's just a passionate teacher of people, and that's who got me involved in it. And shout out Al Howard if you're listening. And what these kids are able to do is work at their own pace get their stuff done, come back and work at their own pace again. We had nine of them in our office um, two weeks ago, and the point was to show them careers, and we do payroll and insurance is what we do in our office. And we, we walked them around the office, and one of the things they were fascinated with is at my desk I have a little, I don't know, it's like a little balancing thing because I have ADD, and I, I have to dance at my desk, and I showed them how I could dance with my feet and still be on a Zoom call with my shoulders straight. And they thought that was funny. I said, anybody here have ADHD? No, everybody raised their hand. We had bouncy seats, you know, at our desks, and we had, you know, high tables and low tables and all that kind of stuff. But we go to the conference room, and I gave them three things that I think they had to do to be successful in life. I said, first of all, you had to show up. I said, Scott Hokinson as your boss isn't going to give you the time of day if you don't show up. I said, so if you're considering two jobs, and one of them's on the gacha route and the other one's not, take the one on the gacha route because you know you'll be able to get to work, okay? Number two, you had to be nice. And they all kind of laughed at that. But I said, listen, if you show up and you're nice, you're literally ahead of half the people that I've ever worked with in my life, okay? A lot of people can't show up for whatever reason. A lot of people aren't nice when they do. The third piece, which is tough, I said, you had to try and learn. And I said, you know, you're at MAP Academy because your start wasn't perfect. I said, okay, you know, I grew up on third base. For me to get home... I had to run 90 feet. You guys got to run 360 feet to get home. And I said, if you spend your time learning, Scott Hokinson is then going to try and help you. Okay. And we kind of had those three lessons. They kind of not rolled their eyes a little bit, but, you know, I think four of them were paying attention. And then we had three of our employees come in. And the question we asked all three of them was, how did they find us? And one of them was through Indeed. One of them was a friend of a friend. But the third one, and I couldn't have written this better. Her name was Lakia Fonts. And she goes, I was the nicest person at the Dunkin' Donuts drive-thru. And it ends up that my colleague, Kevin, went to her Dunkin' Donuts every morning, and she smiled. And he offered her a job. 18 months later, she's had three raises. 
Okay, she showed up at Dunkin' Donuts, and she was nice. Now she didn't have much to learn there, but those two things she didn't get lucky. She she made that luck happen for herself, and now she's got a great career. She's one of my favorite people to work with, and the funny part was one of the counselors that was there, uh, Judy, reached out to the employees. How many here work at? And three of the kids worked at Dunkin' Donuts, and it kind of hit them at that point. And I just got chills thinking about it because it kind I'm I'm a Jesuit educated, you know, you know, professional, and I had all this inspiration for them. Yeah, they you know kind of laughed it off, rolled their eyes. Lakia saying she showed up to work and was nice is what resonated with them, you know. And I think what Map Academy has done for the rest of the schools too is those kids are tough in classrooms, you know, and, and mm-hmm. that's, that's okay. Um, Map Academy has given them a place where they don't have to be yelled at every day. Or being told they're behind, or being told they're, they're, they're a discipline problem and everything else. They still got to show up at Map Academy. They got to do the work. They got to behave while they're there. Um, and um, I'm super interested. You, you, you give me two of those kids, you know, that are going to show up, be nice, and try and learn from us. That's the kind of stuff I want to do. And I promise you, Kevin, for 25 years, I've been doing this type of stuff, and I've never run for office. I'm doing this stuff because I love our community. I love showing my kids what good people do. And I'm a member of Rot- Rotary uh, with Matt Muratori. I see him every Thursday morning. And every week we're out there doing good stuff for the community. And um, it has nothing to do with, you know, the politics or anything. It has to do with the fact that Plymouth is just a great place to live. And uh, we have one of those typical town websites in town, and I make it a point to put something positive on there every week, because every town, every time, you know, usually it's not positive. So, anyway, that's I talk too much. Sorry. So we, so so we are speaking with we, and and uh, you know, you I think kind of I want to stop you because I kind of felt like you on a roll on a roll with Sorry. Map Academy and talking about you. You sounded very passionate. Uh, unfortunately, we got we just like a minute left, but uh, my last two questions, and I, I'll need brief answers. Um, your trifold here, which is fantastic, says Scott Scott's talents: leader, listener, negotiator, and a doer who gets things done. So, if you are elected, right, what are you going to do to get things done for the district? What are you going to do to bring back, you know, whether it's it's grant money, whether it's finances. What is your job if you are up at the state house to to bring back to the district? I've spent twenty five years being a good salesperson because I have those talents. Okay, I have an incredible ability to get people to trust me and like me quickly because I earn it, uh, and I've spent thirty years earning it. Um, so when we're fighting for Plymouth's resources, um, I'm going. I think I'll be a trustworthy, smart companion. To everybody else on the ho- on the hill, okay, um, and uh, I'll be sincere, but I'll be convincing as well. Okay, well, hopefully, if you're elected, love to have you be a part of the South Shore delegation that is going to be soon be headed up by the uh, the soon to be soon to be dean soon to be dean of South Shore delegation. Um, but if folks want to find out more about your campaign, how they can get involved, whether they want to volunteer, whether they want to talk to you directly and say, hey. Yeah. This is what I feel are some of the issues. How can they do that? So there's a simple website, scotthokinson.com. There's a Facebook page, Committee to Elect Scott Hokinson. Or you just find me on my personal Facebook page as well, and my cell phone, 617-733-6471. 
Scott, I want to thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. Look forward to more conversations down the road somewhere. We are going to step aside. And when we come back, more Monday Night Talk here on 95.9 WATV. This is Monday Night Talk with your host, Kevin Tachi on 95.9 WATD. Quirk Kia South, offering the same great customer sales and service you expect from a Quirk dealership. Come in, browse their huge inventory, and drive home in a brand new Kia, like the 2024 Kia Forte LXS or the 2023 Kia Sorento LX. And the Quirk Service Department will be available to you for the lifetime of your vehicle. Quirk Kia South works for you. Quirk Kia, 923 Plain Street, Marshfield, just off Route 3 at the new exit 27. Quirk works to save you. Visit QuirkKiaMarshfield.com. Few make it big in motorsports, but the real reward for most is the joy of competition. I'm Miles Heger. The excitement and danger of motorsports are the reasons drivers love to race and why fans keep showing up. Join me and my guests each week as we discuss the local short tracks while also sharing opinions and insight on the national series. Tune in to Miles on Motorsports Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. here on 95.9 WATD. Find Monday Night Talk on Facebook and share your opinions. Go to 959WATD.com slash Monday Night Talk. All right, we're back. More Monday Night Talk. More Monday Night Talk. Promised. Um, so you kind of silent throughout, kind of just kind of being the observer. I'm just being an observer. We There's a lot of people running in that race, and, and I'm just, you know, learning about them, just like the rest of the people, like the rest of the constituents are. So, you know, I work very closely with that, with the town of Plymouth. Um, I have a quarter of the town of Plymouth, so I have from Kingston down to Stevensfield of Swipe the Waterfront and and the it's Waterfront so, District. It's so vast, but not with constituents. Right, right, but it's where it all happens, Kevin. It's yeah. where it all happens. And I'm still pumped out. There was one time there was a um, uh, Boston 25 does their, their usual zip, tri- mm-hmm. zip trips, and I think it was Middleborough. And like, there you are, you're like, it's like, even give you a chance to talk. And like, no. it's, and I was bummed out. I'm like, I wanted to hear you say something. Like, I remember that. that I was just newly elected then. And I was with Norm Oral, who was newly elected as well. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then Sue Gifford, who's been around for quite a bit. And no, we didn't have the opportunity. And I wore my, I think I bought a new outfit for that and all, you it know. Fantastic. Um, thank you. Thank you. But no. We'll get into that fantastic and the personal challenge thing. Just a quick note, folks who who are tuned in. Um, you know, if there's any segments that you you hear on Monday Night Talk, or maybe you have suggestions, um, Monday Night Talk at gmail dot com, and and please be patient. It might take a bit, but uh, we're gonna do more to kind of put the word out there, especially when I have different guests, repeat offenders like like Rep Lenatra, like Plymouth County Commissioner Jared Valenzuela, who's who's warming it quietly. <laughs> I thought he'd be across the street skating in the pond like the, the rest of the people. I, I pulled up, I thought there was like a, a WATV open house, but no, they're all skating out there. Somebody hung lights. And if I tried skating, I'd miss this segment because I'd be in the hospital you in like 10 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> so Jared's Jared's here. He's going to be here coming up top of the hour, but it's great to have kind of have, have him here. But but if you have like ideas for for segments, whether it's reoccurring uh, you know co-hosts or, or guests, or if you have an idea, Rep Lenatra, co-host, yeah, 
There yeah. you go. Yeah. I'm I, entering I, the suggestion. We box have we now. have mugs to prove it. We do have mugs. We, to we prove have it. mugs to, yes. to There's prove mugs? it. There's there are, mugs. There are mugs. I need a mug. Do you? I do. All right. I think to go I, with my Miles Koozie. No, so it's like oil, oil and water. The, 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 the clash. I need um, a mug. All right, we'll talk. Sure. We'll talk. We'll talk. Um, you have. You definitely have. You bring things to the to the radio program. Everyone who comes on brings something to. Just and saying, my mug has my picture on it. It does. Right. I'll show you a picture later. Just yours or Kevin's too. It's just mine. Mm, no, no, no. Just I have to look. I have pictures somewhere. Okay. I have pictures somewhere. Anyways. Um, we get sad news. We do. Well, uh, bittersweet. 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 Because because bittersweet. because the individual who's leaving the Southwood delegation isn't necessarily kind of going off somewhere, but more so being elevated to a higher level. Um, we're it's talking a new about- position. This position was created for Josh. Yes. It was created. So he- By Josh- the way, belated birthday, right? Did he Today have a birthday? Today's his birthday. Oh, happy birthday, Josh Cutler, if you're listening. Happy birthday. 60th, was it? Oh, I'm going to leave that to you. I'm kidding. He knows I'm kidding. (laughs) Ooh, I would have said like 42. Oh. Come on. 42? Mm. All right. He is younger than I am, so I was just realizing, yesterday I was realizing my own, my own, my own age and my own mortality. Remember, (laughs) as the the Irish say, never resent growing old. Many are denied the privilege. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. Hmm. That's true. Fine wine right here. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, he's, he's uh, Josh, uh, it was just announced uh, a couple of weeks ago, he's going to be uh, named uh, the Undersecretary of App- Apprenticeship, Work-Based Learning, and Policy. So he's the Undersecretary of Labor, and he's oh, going to- well, How did I miss that? That was is what he is going to de- not deal with, but that those are his priorities, Apprenticeship, Work-Based Learning, and okay. Policy, which is right up his alley. So how did he, he miss Labor? I know I took it right off of. Oh. I took it right off of his uh, his. All right, so am I wrong? I don't. No, no, I'm you're wrong. probably right. Um, but you know, it's right up his alley. He was the chair of the workforce future of workforce commission, um, mm-hmm. and he's the chair of labor and workforce in the house. And this is just such a great opportunity, and it's a great opportunity for the rest of the Commonwealth to have him in this position. What is a, a person like Josh meant to? Legislators here on the South Shore, oh, whether gosh. yourself, and, and I don't know if party has necessarily has a uh, a, a meaning or if, if if there's a division or if there's a a divide. But I mean, what is it meant to, as far as working? Well, you together? know, I mean, you've had us all on and from both parties, and we've all been on at the same time. We have Senator O'Connor, we have Matt Muratori, Josh, and myself have been on together many, many times, and we are all friends we all do the best for our districts and that's what's most important to us what we can bring back for our district but um josh himself has really been a strong leader he's been my mentor um he's been a friend for a very long time and we actually sit next to each other in the chamber so um, i am how gonna much work miss- gets done you two well- <laughs> sit next to each other I have to ask a lot of work gets done and yeah. i learned so much when i'm sitting next to him you know i have a i pepper him with questions all the time uh, no matter what time, well, he's not really a morning person, but late at night, I will pepper him with questions <laughs> through text. Um, so I'm That's sure awesome. he's going to be a little relieved to not have me next to him all the time. But, you know, he has been such a great leader on the South Shore, and he will be sorely missed. But again, we're all benefiting from his new position. Indeed. We'll, st- we'll still find ways to get him 
either on the phone Absolutely. or in studio to be a part of the conversation. Yeah, yeah. That is that is uh, my mission, my new mission for 2024. You know, and what things. we were talking about, we were talking about Votex with Scott, right? Yeah. You know, this is all apprenticeships that he's working on, work-based learning. It's really getting jobs for our younger people or tr- people transitioning into other jobs. Mm. So this is just such a great opportunity. So I saw a picture with you kind of in the the heart of everything that was going on recently during the governor, Governor yes. Healy's mm-hmm. State of the Commonwealth State Address. State of the Commonwealth Address. Uh, what was that like to see her address? Well, first of all, she did. She's an amazing speaker. Uh, did you? Um, you must have listened. I mean, she's I an amazing speaker. Um, she's very sincere. I loved her stories. The people that she brought in. It was great. It's always a big energy that night. You know, I've been uh, to Baker's and former governors. Former had governors. Governor the, Swift. Yes, Governor, Governor Swift, Dukakis. Yes, he looks mm. great. He looks really good. But it just, the energy is just really high. Uh, there's a lot of people there. We have all our DAs are there, our sheriffs are there, the mayors are all there. So you get to meet the senators in there. So it's, it's a packed house. I mean, it's packed, but I think she did a great job. What were some of the key points that you felt resonated with the folks in the chamber? Because it's kind of hard. When you're watching at home, mm-hmm. you don't know, like, who is, you know, if, if there are different party, you know, different parties who are, you know, cheering with their you know, there's a, a united front, whether it's like the the housing package she has, mm-hmm. she has suggested mm-hmm. where everybody got up and clapped, or if there's something else that maybe, you know, there may be a little bit of division between the parties. Was Do you feel that a lot of what she was putting forth was was being appreciated across the, the chamber? Yeah. I would say 85%. Okay. Yeah, I would say 85%. You know, there was a, a few. Uh, there was a senator that spoke afterwards, which I didn't listen. I didn't have the chance to listen to because I was there. Um, but, you know, she... Well, there's she, usually always kind of a counter. There's, there's, there's always... I've, you know, have there always... You might I, know. In all honesty, I, you I... remember that, Jared? I don't. And, yeah. I mean, obviously, we had a Republican governor for eight years, right. so I don't remember a Democrat I response. I don't either. And then for Governor Patrick, I don't remember. I I think oh, yeah. it could have been the first you think it's, it's, Republican response. It could be new. It and he's a new senator. He is. So he just came from the yes. House. Mm. Yes, mm. Senator, uh, Senator Durant. Senator Peter Durant. Yeah. Okay. So, so I did not. Did you listen to that? Because I didn't I did get a not. chance to I actually missed it. both I of them. I couldn't find it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I looked where I couldn't find it. Well, it was kind of interesting because it's sort of like, I don't mean to jump in real quick, but no. even when you watch like the State of the Union, right? Mm-hmm. You have the president, they're in the, the chamber, there's big pomp and circumstance. Mm-hmm. And then always the response is like usually one guy or gal standing in a room by themselves mm-hmm. talking to themselves. So like the uh, it just doesn't have the same pop and pizzazz. Mm-hmm. I imagine it's probably the same thing you have Governor here. As you just pointed out all the dignitaries there, right. the whole legislature. Mm-hmm. there you have pizzazz you have mm-hmm. um you have that pomp energy and pomp and circumstance thank you right we have and then you go to a guy standing at a podium <laughs> right right just the production it's just it's, it's different it's definitely yeah. different but i think it's new i i've never recalled there ever being a response and i was in the building you know for governor patrick i don't remember you know at least when i worked for bob headland he was never asked to do a, a response to the state of yeah the he was like minority whip or something wasn't he Yes. Well, the thing is, if you're a Republican senator, you're automatically in leadership. <laughs> you're all meeting around the phone book. They, they can, you know, they can still I, take I a, took that right from Bob. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. He used to say that. But um, so I would say, what were some of the things that, that maybe resonated with you? Was, was there anything to me? Uh, I paid close attention to the housing, the $4 billion, $4 billion housing, housing package. package. Uh, affordable uh, pre-K for gateway communities. Mm-hmm. Uh 
and a big one. Anybody who's had to go over oh, the, the bridges, mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. it's nice to see that there's, you know, that's something that's going to be front of the line, not necessarily that's something that's going to be mentioned and then, mm-hmm. you know, linger on. Yeah. Well, one of the, the great things is the tax cut, which we'll all see when we file our taxes in April, and I'm looking forward to seeing that. And I think, you know, a tax, who can disagree with the tax cut, mm. right? We're paying less taxes. So I think that was a, a definitely one of her key points. Of course, the housing package, we talk about affordable housing all the time, all the time. Housing, housing, housing is, people can't afford it here. It's it's ridiculous. You know, I'm a realtor as well, and I see it um, day in, day out. We have two-bedroom homes that are 650 square feet going for $375,000. I just, right. Jared's a realtor up, yeah. as well. We yeah. see it as day is Corey. Oh, I didn't know Shut that, up. Corey. Yeah, so um, we see boom it. Realty. Yeah. Correct, correct. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, if you want to sell, we do it for a lot less, save a lot of money. <laughs> Wednesday night plug, early. Oh, yeah. okay, I see. Okay, all right. Early, pro- promoting the uh, 7 o'clock uh, segment. Um, but even transportation, I-, I thought that was kind of interesting as to what's going on with that. Everybody knows that the MBTA has been long, mm-hmm. had its issues. Mm-hmm. I know that there's been a lot of work that's been done to try to, I know that there's, especially during the summer where you have in slow zones. Trust me, I went to a couple of Sox games and there's nothing worse than having to endure a slow zone. I'm like going, I just don't uh, in all honesty. And I would, I I like trains, but I just, I, I can't. Yeah. Yeah. When you're packed in there with, you know, a bunch of people that, you know, were, you know, at the ballpark and having fun in whatever manner they are. When you commuted, like I used to commute every day by the red line to the state house. When you do that every day, you then suddenly understand when the orange line caught on fire, why that woman just jumped off the bridge into the mm. river and swam off. Like, you're just like, get me away from get this. Get me away. Get me away. <laughs> yeah. it's definitely smart. Like, you suddenly under, it suddenly makes sense. I understood her very yeah. much. <laughs> you know, for, for a city that we were the first to have a subway right, system, right. right? And for it to be this subpar is just not acceptable. And I, you know, she came in through her promise. She brought someone new in. We've had to shut it down for months at a time, weeks at a time. People were at a disadvantage you always took public transportation and now it's a whole different way to get in and allotting enough time but i think you know i'm optimistic about it i think we'll get there i don't think it'll be tomorrow do i think it'll be this summer you know maybe a year but i think we're going to get there i think we're on the right path for that but it's it's time it requires a lot of money a lot of brain power anything in her speech that that may have had any kind of direct effect on your district, uh, on different communities in your district. Well, all my district is housing. It's really senior housing is a big, it's, big, yeah. it's a big thing. You know, we, she said exactly what I've been saying for years is they can't afford to downsize. And then the upkeep on the home that they have is ridiculous. Mm. So, um, you know, I think the senior circuit breaker is going to help. You know, we've increased some of those amounts. It's going to help. It's going to help. But is it the solution? No, it's not. It's housing. It's yeah. and we have we have NIMBY. I mean, let's face it, we do. In every town that I have, a project will come up, and there's a, a contingency. Yeah, everybody, like we everybody don't want wants to keep town. their community Mayberry. Right, they do. Right. But unfortunately, uh, I see communities all the time. Yeah, do the, with my you know the other job I do where planning board meetings that are like four hours long mm-hmm. because there mm-hmm. are people right. who want to who you know they do not like the idea that this dwelling is coming in it's being built 
you know, they want to complain over the size of the trees, and it's going to be like pollution, and, it, you know, everybody wants to have a say, because mm-hmm. I pay taxes, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's just, you know. Which is understandable, yeah. right? Yeah. Everybody should have a say. Yeah. But we have to understand, you know, when you say affordable housing, we're not talking Section 8, and right. I think there's a distinction, and people don't understand that. And as we know, you're a younger yeah. person, Jared, yeah. and he's the same age as my son, I think, and he knows I, we've been outbid 10 times right. for him and just even I have a police officer I'm working with now who just had a baby with his wife who's a teacher and I mean we've been looking for three years and mm. they've been outbid I mean, these are the people that we're talking about for affordable homes right especially with our rates up a little bit easy. you know it's not easy um Budget's coming up. We should be seeing the governor's budget any time now. Next week, yeah, Anything, hopefully next uh, week. Any, any, any teases? Have you got any insight as to I don't. I'm, how, I'm really, how big of a challenge it might be, knowing that we had a C, a little bit of a cut? We had some 9C cuts, and we saw some cuts, and uh, you know, I, it's time to cut back. You know, There's no more opera money. There's no more money coming okay. in from the Fed, so this is time. we got to tighten the wallet. Time for us to our own little challenge here. How are you doing oh. in regards to your, uh, your your personal challenge that we, we took up? We did take up. So this year. is week four, I believe, that we're in. Yeah. That flew, didn't it? It did. It did fly. Um, I am happy to say that I have stuck with my, you know, my little place over here, Train for Life. Yep. Um, love my trainers. I've been pretty good with the food except for the weekend. Uh. Uh, great with the dry January. I haven't had an issue with that at all. Um, so feeling strong, though, I have to say. Strength was my big thing. I told you strength yeah. and mobility were my big thing. Strength has definitely increased, yeah. which I'm happy to see. See, my kryptonite is food. Yeah. It is. Yeah. I'm not I'm not somebody who tips the bottle yeah. or I got to go out and I got to have a cocktail. It's just not my thing. Yeah. Food. You know, we I walk by like a it. plate of donuts, <laughs> I eyeball two of them and claim them. It's just, it's, they all love to eat. Yeah. yeah. Love to eat. It's Mine's just, not sweets. I'm not a sugar person, but I could sit there and eat a whole box of pasta. Oh, well, I'll try it. In a second. I, yeah. Well, I'm trying. Yeah. It, but that's the thing. I have a, an appointment next week with a uh, a doctor who will go will go through a diet. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I had had a conversation recently with Corey talking about fasting. Yeah. yeah. I did it a couple of years ago and... You know, lost a lot of weight, but the problem is when you get older, you lose the weight, and you basically kind of on the elevator. You lose the weight, you gain it. You lose yep. it, and and you don't. And the it's like a yo-yo thing where, you know, you lose the weight and you do well, but then when you yo-yo back up, well, you don't yo-yo back up to where you were previously. Oh, you shatter that. Yeah, you, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you hit glass. that and then some. It's a glass ceiling. You break that, and you go. And and I loved, I love the challenge of fasting. Um, but then I get scolded by my my uh, my doctors like mm-hmm. going, oh, you shouldn't do that. I'm like, but it's working. And I'm I'm going to fill you in. The the regular doctor that you go to knows nothing about any of this stuff. And it's, <laughs> it's I'm not lying. It is pretty much. I've brought things to my doctor about things that are going on, new science, new new stuff. They have no idea what I'm talking about. He doesn't even know who a couple of the world-renowned people are in the world that are that are doing longevity science and longevity right. research. Right. So I'm going to tell you right now, your doctor, your primary care, doesn't know anything about what's new and what's hip. They're too busy funneling patients in and out of the office yeah. as fast as they can Tri- because booking. they've yeah, got to yeah. see patients. And they don't read any of the new papers. They don't do any of the research. It's... What's the diagnosis, and can I write a script for it? Well, see, here's what's going to – I'm hoping that happens next time you and I, a couple mm-hmm. of weeks, we get back together, is I'm hoping to have news. Let's see what this new doctor has to say and see if he's 
okay with the fasting or has any new innovative things to help me kind of because this is shed a specialist. You're yeah, this is right. a specialist. So mm-hmm. let's see how special this individual is. <laughs> how special he yes. is. That was good. Uh, but if you have any, if you have any ideas as far as you want to keep up with us, or maybe you're doing it, Monday Night Talk at gmail.com. Love to hear from you. Yes. Uh, anything you want to say quickly in closing? I do. Before? I just want to talk about the chamber. Um, you got 30 seconds. Is, oh, my gosh. So they're having, now I have to pull it up again. They right, are doing the another music. Dancing with the Stars, and they're doing a Cheers to Charity, and they're doing a guest bartender takeover. Mm-hmm. And that is going to be at, I don't have my glasses on, so I'm going to ask my friend next Corey. to me, Corey. Uh, Sunday, February 4th. From 6 to 9 p.m., uh, $5 suggested donation at the door. Uh, where is it going to be? Speedwell Tavern. Oh, the Speedwell oh, Tavern. Yes, yep, right yeah. there. It's a great place. Great menu, Bob, Tom burgers, Tom you name it. Dancing way, way, Waggers? Yeah. I don't know. The South Shore's first choice for live team coverage of breaking news, emergency traffic, and severe weather. 95.9 WATD-FM Marshfield and 95.9 WATD.com. Are you a woman who loves to sing? Are you looking to try a new and fun hobby in 2024? Island Grove Chorus in Abington is looking for new members of all voice parts and experience levels. Come to our open rehearsals every Tuesday night at 6.45 p.m. at the United Church of Christ, 10 Bedford Street in Abington. For more information, check out our website, islandgrovechorus.org. Your voice has a place in our chorus. West Bridgewater Lions Club will be having a Valentine 50s sock hop on Friday, February 9 from 7 to 10 p.m. at St. Anne's Parish Center, 103 North Main Street, West Bridgewater. Four in a row from East Bridgewater will be playing music from the 50s. There will be raffles and a door prize, beer and wine, hot dogs, cold drinks, and popcorn. You can bring your own snacks, too. $15 donation at the door or reserve your tickets at nancyk76 at comcast.net. See you at the sock hop on February 9. Monday Night Talk continues all week long. Go to 959WATD.com slash Monday Night Talk and keep in touch on Facebook and Twitter. This is Monday Night Talk with your host, Kevin Tachi. All right, later this hour. So this hour is kind of like WA, you know, WATD shows doing crossovers. Monday Night Talk, later this hour, we're going to do uh, The Car Doctor. Every Sunday from 11 to 12, we speak with John Paul. Uh, if you're somebody who is, uh, if you haven't done that maintenance to your car, you have having issues, uh, we'll look forward to talking with them about that. And maybe you might be in the market for a used car. Mm, yeah. You remember during COVID, you, you know, there was a premium for used cars. Oh, right? yeah. Has that changed? We'll find out. I made it like a bandit on a used car I bought. That Did you? Never made it home. <laughs> that oh, voice, made, of course, that voice is Corey Welch. To be fair, I made it home. Just it, Yeah, made it home, but it was, it was not, on a flatbed. Not quite operable, anyway. <laughs> and of course, the, the, the second the crossover that we, we're going to jump into right now is a crossover between uh, Monday Night Talk and the JV team with Jared Valenzuela. Of course, Jared was kind of in on... The Kathy Lenatra Statehouse yes. Report part. Always a pleasure to be on with Rep Lenatra. And I, I'll echo, she had talked about something in the beginning about, uh, you know, as a county commissioner, being able to serve um, with multiple legislators, right, across the county. Um, I, I will second her comment about the collaboration that Plymouth County's delegation has, a South Shore delegation has. It's, it's a great collaboration, and I echo her sentiments. And congratulations to 
uh, Rep Cutler. Uh, great position for him, and uh, congratulations to him. And a happy birthday, apparently. So happy birthday. Happy, uh, happy birthday. And, uh, and congratulations. And before I forget, uh, congratulations to Hanson Sam Ewis on her retirement from the That's U.S. Right. Women's National Team, a World Cup champion. Uh, unfortunately, her career... I think ending earlier than she probably would have liked, but yeah, she pulled a bronze. She won a World Cup. She won a World Cup. Yeah, yeah I mean, she yeah. won a World Cup. She held that. She held that thing in 2019. So good for her, and congratulations on a great career. Yeah, there was a, a few watch parties in and around the, oh, the yeah. area, and I, and I believe, uh, oddly enough, uh, we, we we kind of had like a little bit of a, a dry run to. to to do a, this program and <laughs> yes. a good thing, good thing to dry run. We'll never see the light of day because yep. Uh, Although it a would lot, show a lot of, a how omnipotent myself and Corey are. Yeah, very especially Corey. Corey, Corey Welch. We've got yes. Corey Welch nailed we, it we pretty well. We didn't get to introduce Corey. Corey so, so. Uh, being, yes, yes. being on the show uh, and a vital part. Interesting enough, last week uh, on uh, the JV team, he was talking about. Uh, uh, Vivek uh, Ramaswamy, Ramaswamy yep. and I was texting because I, I always will. I listen to Jared Shaw, just gonna hear some of the things and hear some of the the, the viewpoints. And, and sometimes Corey can be strong with some of his viewpoints. Yes, I'm and, very strong. Uh, uh, I don't sugarcoat anything. <laughs> he, he makes me look normal. He, he, thankfully, he does not sugarcoat anything. But there were things that I actually was telling Jared. I'm like, there were some things I was agreeing with him about uh, Ramaswamy, and 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 you know, it was it was definitely interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I just thought I thought he was a great candidate. Just the, the, his approach was very poignant and um, direct, and he didn't dodge bullets. He didn't dodge anything. You could throw anything you want at him. He did basically every podcast there was. He would go into the lion's den of the most worst situations for any Republican candidate, and he would take the fire and he'd dominate. I mean, dominate. Like in ways I've never seen a political guy dominate. Even even we saw some of it at the debates, with uh, the way he called out everyone. And I mean, like he said, he just spoke the truth. So it's interesting. He is no longer. He has suspended his yep, campaign. Yep. And then over the weekend, Jared, we have someone Governor else drop out. Ron DeSantis dropping out yesterday. Uh, Why? Of course, tomorrow's a New Ron. Hampshire primary. You know, I why I, not? Why not see that New Hampshire primary? Thrill? Well, because you're polling at six percent, and then obviously he had he had he put all his eggs in the Iowa basket, and he basically had a statistical tie with Nikki Haley in Iowa. Um, he needed to come close in Iowa. You know, Nikki Haley needs to come close tomorrow in New Hampshire for it to even make sense for her to continue her campaign. He picked up stakes. He went to South Carolina. He burned through a lot of cash. You know, Governor DeSantis's presidential campaign, I think, was not unlike some others like Scott Walker many years ago. I think that was 2012 or 2016, yeah. where they kind of you, you expected a lot more out of it and you just didn't get it. And I, and I think I think one of the things that all of these Republican candidates perhaps miscalculated was the amount of voters looking for an alternative to Donald Trump. And. I think if you had had just Ron DeSantis and some fringe candidates, or just Nikki Haley, mm. or even just Ramaswamy, maybe you could have cobbled together enough voters to be able to overtake the former president. But Donald Trump is frankly, and this is probably the first time in American political history where you have a former president that's running again for a second term uh, in the present primary structure, right? Obviously, Grover Cleveland in the 1800s, but presidential candidates were nominated at conventions then you know teddy roosevelt didn't get the nomination for the republican party for a third term so he ran as an independent like this is really unique in american history where trump is running again like he did in 2020 where token opposition biden has no opposition incumbent presidents don't get opposed not since jimmy carter in 1980 so trump is pretty much enjoying 
the he's the power well. of incumbency. Yeah, he's power, but he's pulled well, well as right. well. Well, by not being an incumbent, he's he's he has that power of incumbency, and, and DeSantis couldn't gain traction. Ramaswamy couldn't. Haley has a little bit. You know, I think for DeSantis and Ramaswamy. You're running sort of as, well, we are kind of like Trump, but we are Trump, just without Trump's baggage. But if I'm a Trump voter, I'm voting for Trump, and oh, by the way, he is an option to vote for, so why am I not going to vote for Donald Trump when he's there to vote for? Why would I vote for DeSantis yeah. or Ramaswamy? So, so I want to throw something at, at Corey, and that is, is, do you feel like the dual incumbency has really spoiled our you know, the political, the presidential campaign to this point? Well, I, I think I think what's unique this time around is, I mean, you've never seen a president ever in the history be persecuted like Donald Trump, especially by the media. When when ninety eight, ninety nine percent of the media hates you and is against you, and when they're constantly throwing, when you have a Democratic Party that's worked profusely to make up lies and all these phony investigations and this. You know, these all these 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 stories they have going on, which have been all been proven proven false. They've kind of like, and now you have all these court cases, and it's just, and you can see that some of these court cases are so over the top insane that I think it's just made his base so strong, and and it makes those diehard Trump supporters even more diehard. And it, what it, I've seen it do is actually convert people from being like, you know what, this is ridiculous. I'm voting for Trump. Well, and I, and I think that's. It's sort of the unintended consequence by what a lot of what Corey's talking about uh, is, right? I mean, we, we've we talked about on, on the JV team, and I know we've even talked a little bit about Correct. it here, uh, him being removed from the ballot in Colorado and Maine. Those are two Democrat secretaries of state. Again, primaries and caucuses are political party exercises. So what you have had happen in both those states is two Democrat secretaries of state have told Republican voters that you do not get to choose an individual to be your potential candidate and certainly i'm not a lawyer he but he's never been convicted of insurrection uh whether the 14th amendment applies here or not is not by my methodology to uh i, I don't have the capacity to decide that right sure. my gut tells me he's not going to be convicted of that so what you have here to Corey's point and it's the right one is you you've piled so much on him that you've made him Sympathetic, a sympathetic individual, which for Donald Trump, I mean, he's not a sympathetic person by any stretch, but yet you piled on so much that just beat him. I mean, if you're if you're Democrats, you, you want him, right? I mean, Biden did beat him four years ago. So, you know, you'd use but but the, the president himself, President Biden is is having so many issues himself that I think they really are are seeing that they could easily lose to Donald Trump. But um, but to that end, I think that Trump's base is is solid and lockstep. And again, you know, Corey's points are well, the, you know, the media one, he and I debate all the time. I yep. disagree a little bit on that part of it. I just think that, again, if if you have McDonald's and you have, you know, Jared's Burger Shack next door and you really like McDonald's, you're just going to go to McDonald's. You're not going to try Jared's. It's the same thing here. You have Donald Trump, Ron DeSantis and Vivek Ramaswamy, all three count off just, of the same thing. But I really love Donald Trump. They're going to go for Donald Trump. It's just the hypocrisy of the Democrats literally knows no bounds. Here they are telling us that Donald Trump is a threat to democracy, yet they are literally the biggest threat to democracy, doing things that without any democracy at all, just arbitrarily removing them off a ballot. It makes zero sense. And it's it's just it's it's the most craziest thing I've ever seen. So I have to. So, so the two questions I have to ask you in regards to Trump and his his legal issues, because I think that's 
to a lot of Americans, that's kind of something that folks can't solve or they don't know the answer to, or maybe they're not well studied. I, I think the two of you are pretty well studied. I think you've kind of looked into it. You've had conversations about it. I mean, could any of the court cases affect the outcome of his campaign, or could it derail him as a candidate? I mean, I, 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 I don't think so. I think that the one thing that Republicans may, in the final analysis, make a mistake in is, you know, Corey has mentioned this, um, you know, a segment of caucus uh, goers in Iowa that had voted in the Democratic caucus four years ago switched to the Republican and voted for Nikki Haley. And what that has told me, and I think there is a, a large swath of voters out there that are screaming, you know, they, they, they don't want to vote for Joe Biden, but there's no way they can vote for Donald Trump. So whether it was Haley or DeSantis, they wanted them to be nominated. Obviously, it's going to be Donald Trump, right? I mean, the, the Babylon Bee had a great fake headline that, you know, Trump, Biden renewed for a second season despite low ratings. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's going to happen, right? Do I think it could derail it? I don't think so. I mean, again, the, the important thing to remember, somebody had asked me this before, if, if President Biden or he'd say even Trump were to yep. die a week before the election, would you still vote for that person? I go, mm-hmm. yes, because... Um, I'm not voting for that part. You're voting for the electors, right? So you want to vote to at least give your political party the say in who the electors are. So that said, if Trump's the nominee, I think certainly plenty of voters across the country, should he be convicted of anything, I think that will turn off a, a lot of voters more. I just, again, I'm not a, le- I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a legal scholar. I, I just... I think when it comes to, to what happened on January 6th, I think there were a lot of people there who wanted to peacefully protest results. There were quite a few people there who also behaved poorly and had insurrectionist dreams in mind. Donald Trump was not one of them, right? So, like, y- you can't control somebody being there and wanting to do something. And those people are being prosecuted properly, right? I mean, but y- you you can't hold him liable for that. And I, I can't see it happening. But again, I think to Corey's point... Any of it bolsters him um, more. But again, you know, if you go into a swing state, again, voters are screaming, although ironically, we're going to nominate Biden and Trump again. There are voters that are screaming for an alternative. He's not on the ballot in New Hampshire, which is which is hilarious. Biden is not on the ballot. Biden is not on the ballot. Well, because they they the Democrats changed the primary schedule. So there's a whole this is like a punishment. Yeah, yes, right. well, that happens because the parties, again, I think for your listeners to understand this, the primaries and our caucuses, listeners, remember this is a, our listeners, yeah, right? Our we're sharing listeners. these airwaves, but, but, but the biggest thing to remember with primaries and caucuses, those are political party exercises. They are not government. And Corey knows I go off on this all the time. I can't stand primaries. I hate that my tax dollars mm. are paying for political party exercises, but I do get them and I understand them because they catch a wider uh, voting block. So you generally get a bigger flavor of who would do well in a general election no correct me if i'm wrong here is you know we've talked about trump's court cases aren't some of those court cases in regards to the 2020 vote and and some of the things that had went on behind the scenes yeah to be specific i'm referencing when i when you reference i'm referencing those specifically because that's right right right. those are the only ones that you could potentially invoke the 14th amendment so, uh, so you're so saying Fourteenth Amendment? I could be saying the wrong amendment. No, that's um, you're talking about um, influencing the electors. Yeah. No, 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 insurrection disqualifying. Oh yeah, that's Trump. that's right. going nowhere. Okay, so you know, I, I I agree with Jared and all this stuff. I mean, yeah, some of the stuff makes its way through the, some courts that are heavily left leaning, but once you get up, you avoid that. They're all going to get thrown out. Yeah, if you're just tuning in, uh, doing a little bit of a, a crossover here between uh, Monday Night Talk. Kevin Tachi and uh, the JV team. 
with Jared Valenzola and Corey Welsh is where we're talking about. We're on the eve of the New Hampshire. Hard to believe that that kind of snuck up on us. Yeah, fast New fast. Hampshire primary. So, yeah. so I, I have to throw, I have to ask this then. If we're predicting, I think it's probably a given that that Donald is going to do quite well. But you know, what about Nikki? What is Nikki and her team? What is her campaign looking for to validate and say, "Yep, we can move on to the next set of primaries. We can move on to Super Tuesday. We can stay in this until she." It, uh, my opinion, she needs to come within five percent or better. So if 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 she's losing, is she like seventeen to twenty out now. Yeah, I mean he's at fifty two percent. Of course, DeSantis dropping out and endorsing Trump. Would, I mean he was only at six percent in New Hampshire. Yeah. So I mean naturally his six percent would probably generally gravitate to Trump. Um, I, I don't. I, again, I don't know how many people were voting for DeSantis because they are looking for the alternative to Trump. Because uh, again, I think the Nikki Haley voters are the Nikki Haley voters. But uh, and I'll let Corey jump in. In my opinion, she needs to come within five points or better. For her to legitimize the two-person race narrative that she's she's trying to construct. Yeah, I just want to like commend like Ramaswamy. He saw the light at the end of the tunnel. He tried to pull over a big a, a, some big result in Iowa. He he saw the numbers. He's like, there's there's no chance. He was smart. He bowed out. And I want to commend this. Uh, DeSantis for doing the exact same thing. He saw the numbers, was like, forget it. It'd be better for me. And this is what I, I suggested would be the best thing for him to do is to not even do this primary, save face with Trump, work out something, and then throw his support behind him, which actually wound up happening. Yeah. Which is pretty crazy. I saw, I saw the Trump presser. and he was I saw like, that. I was like, this is insane. And he, and he, was, and he was like, hey, we, we, we want He was so happy him. giving that speech, too. He He's was, like, thank too, God yeah. this is over. Yeah. You know, I think he, he made I mistakes in his to, campaign. I think yeah. he wants to coast. Yeah, I think I think he really does wants want what's best for this country. Like yeah. he does, no matter what. And I think that this is going to be great. I think it'll like kind of hopefully form like some type some type of dream team or good coalition within the Republican Party. And I think they hopefully do great things. Unfortunately, I think Nikki Haley's shooting herself in the foot by continuing on. She's going to lose South Carolina, mm. and I just don't see any. Wait, path. wait, wait, wait. was she the governor? She yeah, was. yeah. That's the thing. Like she has really no path, and all she's doing is digging a hole deeper. But who knows? Maybe she's just trying to build a war chest to run for Senate in her home state. It's, it's definitely possible. So let's let's say, do we want to predict when we, when she may finally say uncle and and throw her support behind Donald? Or was it too late? Because she they've, been, they've, been, they've, been, they've been trading bars. She, I, yeah. I can tell you from sources I have at the RNC, no matter she's what happens. Distance. She, well, I don't know if she goes the distance. She will not put her support behind Trump. I mean, she's this is sort of, I think, her... Her last stand. And look, I think it to some degree it is unfortunate. And again, you know, when the Republican Party does a postmortem on this win or lose, you know, after November 5th, I think it is this year. Uh, I should know because I have to run for election myself. But um, I, I think we could look at this as a year of missed opportunities. We, we could have had the first woman nominee who would have be Biden or someone like Governor DeSantis, who's young, energetic, beautiful family could have been maybe our version of JFK. Um, but that being said, I think she probably trudges on. Um, you know, you'll have Nevada before South Carolina. The Nevada is like a weird caucus, so they don't really factor in that much. You know, to Corey's point, she's she's in the she's very far behind yeah. in South Carolina. Um, I 
personally believe she still sees it through to Super Tuesday because you have a handful of states, again, Massachusetts being one of them. You know, I, I, she is doing well in sort of the old Rockefeller Republican states, right? When New England was a Republican uh, stronghold, it was moderate. It, it wasn't, you know, a conservative party back then. And, and that's why she's doing well in New Hampshire. So I think she holds on because you have Massachusetts, you have Vermont, you have a handful of other states. She's hoping for that glimmer of hope that maybe... It might, it might, it's like when you try to, when you try to light a fire and you got, you got some smoke and you get the embers right. going, you hope there's a flame and then all of a sudden it just goes out. But if he keeps getting 50%, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. the Republican party isn't, although some states are becoming more, more proportional, yeah. you know, the reason why Trump was able to cobble together a victory in 16 was, you know, you could win 15, 20%. In the state, but get all their delegates, right? So, like, you know, if she starts to hold him, which, again, tomorrow night will be a major test. If she, that's why I keep saying 5% or better, she has to lose by, in order for her to even have any semblance of a prayer. How does she do a dick I think, I think. Right. How does she do that? We'll find out. We'll find out in the morning. I think as, like any good politician, one of the biggest things they care about is raising money. Yeah. I think at the end of the day, if the numbers don't come in favorable, the, the money's going to go away, and I think she's going to base how long she stays in it based on whether she has money and whether she can maintain a war chest to put together a good Senate race so in her home state. So, so again, that Corey Welsh, Jared Valenzuela, we've got a couple of minutes left here. I want to I kind of talk uh, as far as running mate. And we've had, a, we've had a, a previous conversation talking about who we think would be a, uh, a decent, a commendable running mate, somebody who would be like a soldier in the trenches, not you know someone like a Mike Pence who's kind of like you know cricket, yeah, sm- plain, silent, yeah. silent, you know, plain Jane, whatever you want to, whatever you want to say. He, he, he was a blip on the radar. Uh, I don't know how he did. Most vice presidents tend to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, you can't spell potato. Whatever. It's the point is, you want to at least have somebody I think who's going to be in there in the trenches. Uh, who would you say, Corey? It's it's hot topic right now because nobody has a clue, but. And he's already made up his mind, supposedly. He supposedly, said. yes. But I listen to a lot of podcasts, and I can tell you this: I was a very, I was a Ramaswamy guy because I believe has someone who's extremely knowledgeable. He's very knowledgeable of the Constitution, and he basically is like a, a Trump, but more eloquent. And uh, I think he'd be able to really, you know, kind of push his agenda and fight for him and defend him, yeah. like do a phenomenal job defending him. And I think he'd line him up for another eight years of continuation of what Trump's been. Kind of beating the drum. He wouldn't line, be sound bites. I, I think no. he would. He would. He would. And, you know, Trump comes in sound bites and these. You know, these one liners and, and Ramaswamy. I feel as though he's somebody who. Yeah. If he's going to take you to task, you, you, he's going to. He's going to. Yeah. Like, can you imagine just if they brought him in as press secretary for a day? I think it'd be cool. That would be unbelievable. Yeah. But who knows? I mean, that's who I would like to see. But you know how they come up with who they come up with is different. But word in the street is that you know Trump's been making phone calls. Um to get advice and mo- most everyone is telling him Ramaswamy but I don't think he'll pick him so I, I was having a conversation with your uh, your cable show uh, yes. counterpart Ian Deming um, who who thinks that it'll be a woman but I he, agree he, it will but be. he threw out it a couple should of be. names I don't know if it will be but he threw out be. a couple of names as it would be a good counter uh, you know for, for, for the race so I, I honestly believe this and I don't even say it to be facetious but I think the shrewdest move would be Nikki Haley it's not going to be Nikki Haley mm-hmm. I know that for a fact but it should be well I shouldn't say it over a fact I can I can 
I have that on very good information. It will not be Nikki Haley, but someone like Elise Stefanik, who's a congresswoman from Northern New York, mm-hmm. has been an excellent. Um, but would you want to have? Would you want to have some a running mate, somebody who was in the same corridor? I just of the, think of the country. His, I think histor- Well, that's true. I think historically speaking, I mean, the vice president really hasn't mattered much in a general election since Lyndon Johnson in 1960 with yeah. JFK. So. I would say again, though, you know, you need a female. I think it has to be a female. Um, you need to balance that ticket. And the, some of the best tickets in presidential history have been when the nominee has selected someone that was a previous rival, a previous competitor. Again, Reagan Bush in '80 uh, stands out. I, I, you know, you can go back. Uh, obviously, Obama Biden, I think, stood out. And I think, you know, when you look at Obama Biden, I mean, obviously, Biden had a lot of, you know, bad experience. But I think to some degree with Obama being new and I'm doing quotes because he was new, you know, having somebody that has more of that that statesman and that seasoned season. Thank you. Um, that said, I, again, I I predict it'll be a woman. I think it would behoove him to select someone that isn't a total yes man. I wonder how many people want to take, you know, Corey mentions that, and I think Republicans have deluded themselves into this belief that we'll get Donald Trump for four years, and then his vice president can run and have eight years. You have not had, uh, first of all, no incumbent, there have only been two incumbent vice presidents ever elected president of the United States, Martin Van Buren after Andrew Jackson, and George Bush after Ronald Reagan, both only served one term. No, Joe Biden was not an incumbent vice president. He had four years out. So the idea, I mean, it's, it's really hard to win three straight presidential elections. That doesn't happen, right? Yeah. Um, the American public wants uh, they want after the change. Two terms. It hasn't happened right. since Reagan to Bush, and again, Bush only served for one. So I, I do think Republicans need to break that mental idea. Like you do Trump, and that obviously I'll support the Republican nominee. But you're going to get Trump for four years. It'll probably swing back to a Democrat again after that. Well, see, and I that that was my thinking when it was Clinton Trump. Is is that I don't think the American public wanted to see kind of the same old, same old, because right. Hillary Clinton would have been kind of an extension of Barack Obama. Well, and her husband. And, and her husband. One of the most historically poor presidential absolutely. campaigns so in I, 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 and, and I said that. <clears> but you're right. The pendulum is absolutely correct. It People, always swings. They want change. They want they something do. different. They do. And, you know, to some degree, that's why, you know, by and large, again, you know, you go back 200 years ago, the Electoral College was picked by state legislatures because the the the, the population people, the voters' minds change so often that, you know, the, the, the founding father set up the house to be that chamber for the people. So, but that said, I, I think his running mate, you know, again, I mean, I, I think Nikki Haley stays As he in. said when he's in, I, I heard that, what's funny is... um. Truth Social has the stock went through the roof because he said I'm announcing it on Truth Social. I, I, so. didn't, even, I didn't even know that was publicly traded. Did you, did you hilarious. <laughs> same thing with um, same thing with uh, Rumble stock went through the roof because right. they joined with Portnoy. Right. Who doesn't love David Portnoy? He's oh, I love awesome. him. Dana White best. guys that just speak their uh, mind are like the best. Dave Portnoy, if somehow this makes it to your ear canal, Please. I would love to have you on yes. here to talk about bar pizza. One bite. Everybody knows Those the rules. rules. I am stalking you to have you on this show because we know you did a little bit of a tour. You did. With some of the South Shore Bar yep. Pizzas. Just would love to have you in here just to, to talk pizza. If you get him in mission. here, I want to be on that show. Me too. 
Yeah. There's going to be a line. We might have to, might have to do like a town <laughs> You know what? A Portnoy town hall. I've, yeah, said yeah. To, I've said to Christine, if she ever has Gordon Ramsay on again, I don't need to be on the air. I just want to know when they're here so I can be in the building. I just yeah. need to be in the building. I don't have to stand in the picture. Yeah, I just want to be in the Big building, picture. meet him, because I agree, Portnoy is, Portnoy is great. Hey, he'd be fun to run for, you know, for vice president. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> well, folks, make sure you tune in this coming Wednesday. Yes. As, uh, these two we'll gentlemen. recap all this. Maybe we'll have yes. you in. Oh, yeah. Join us on Tuesday, okay. Wednesday. Yeah. I, let, you let come me, in. You'll Let me check it. my schedule, okay. and, and yeah. I, I will make time to come the, on in and extend the, the after talk. The after talk. Yes. <laughs> Corey Guys, once famously called this Tachi talk. That's all right. <laughs> but this has been a fun conversation. Yes. Look forward to doing it again. We're going to step aside. And uh, when we come back, the car doctor here on Monday Night Talk. is Monday Night Talk with your host, Kevin Tachi, on 95.9 WATD. I'm Peter Brown of Tiny and Sons Auto Glass in Pembroke. People ask me, is there anything they can do to prevent getting a broken windshield? Is there anything I can do to prevent getting a broken windshield? See, there is. Those big gravel trucks, when they're being loaded, rocks get stuck in the framework of the bed. Truck hits a bump, rock hits your windshield, it pays to stay way back. It pays to stay way back. However, if your windshield is broken, just call 1-888-64-TINIES. And thank you. By the middle of the week, so much news has come your way, you need your own team to sort it out. Lucky for you, there's Jared Valenzola and the JV team to talk about the things you've heard and catch you up on some things you might not know. I'm Jared Valenzola. Join me and my guests as we have fun with current events and try to put things into perspective each week. Sponsored by Corey Welch of Boom Realty. Catch the JV team every Wednesday night at 6.15 here on 95.9 WATD. Hi, I'm Holly Flanagan. Join me every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. on Breaking the Ice, Let's Talk Inclusion, presented by The Great Blizz. Each week we discuss topics important to our inclusive community and highlight the talents and achievements of our community members. Make sure to tune in Wednesday night at 8 p.m. to Breaking the Ice, Let's Talk Inclusion, presented by The Great Blizz. Breaking the Ice, every Wednesday night at 8 p.m., right here on 95.9 WATD. Download previous episodes of Monday Night Talk and listen to them anywhere. Check out 959WATD.com slash Monday Night Talk. And now, more Monday Night Talk with your host, Kevin Tachi. All right, we are back. Uh, the uh, the JV team guys are kind of just kind of hovering. They may pop a question in. Lingering. Lingering. Lingering, yes. Lingering. We are loitering. <laughs> uh, but to joining us, so this is kind of like a three-way show, you know, three shows, uh, uh, collab. Uh, but uh, John Paul joining us. Uh, John Paul has been uh, doing his own show now, I think, a little over a year. But it's a guy who is uh, well-versed in the industry, written a lot of things. He's done other radio shows prior to coming here to WATD. Uh, and we're privileged to have him here to kind of talk about uh, the automotive industry, your vehicle, John, welcome back to Monday Night Talk, sir. Well, can we talk about bar pizza? We certainly uh-huh. can. All right. Do you have a f- favorite place? 
you know, Cape Cod and Brockton. I grew yeah. up in Brockton, you know, kind of kind of always always been that way and it's kind of funny. I don't know, probably 3 or 4 years ago, I actually started a Facebook page called Social Bar Pizza. I just did it for fun and I never do anything with it. I just started it, took a couple of pictures of pizza and I think there's like 3,000 people that follow it now. That's awesome. I didn't know that you were the creator of that. That's, that's well, there's, there's another one Does called it? the Social Pizza, yep. Social Bar Pizza Social Club. Yep. That's, okay. So, so yeah. a friend of mine, Kerry J. Byrne, who, who right now I think he actually uh, writes and does stuff for Fox News, uh, used to be the potentate of pigskin for coldheartfootballfacts.com uh, and then sold the website. But what's super interesting is that um, Kerry was the one who created that. You talk about bar pizza. And we were talking about David Portnoy. I uh, I have a, a mutual friend with with Jared, and he he may be a friend of yours as well. Uh, the Mad Dog, Matt Nelson. Yes. Who who you know, when I told him that I'm trying to get Dave Portnoy on, he just like you guys. He goes, I want to be in the room to have a conversation with him. I go, is this good or bad? Because when he says something like that, it could mean it could spell trouble. He's upset because Dave Portnoy scored Linwood Pizza lower than Town Spa. And it's it's kind of oh, like yeah, that, that's a problem. It's a burn his spa- uh, that's a problem. It's a burn his saddle, and he 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 feels as though that there's that when it comes to bar pizza, Linwood is kind of the top of the mountain. Everybody else is somewhere on the side of that mountain. I agree. I I disagree. I I think Town Spar is is I don't know honestly like bar pizza once you hit like a certain level you're you just that's where you're at. I don't think anyone's better than the other. I yeah. just think it's great. Yeah. Same here. There are some that's been bad. I have had bad. I've had bad. I've had Definitely bad. I've had, had greasy. But, but well, John, they, they, you know, it's well, interesting you, you brought well, that up. <laughs> well, and I would, personally, I would put Linwood ahead of Town Spa. But okay, yeah. Well, we have you in not to talk about pizza. Uh, guys, going to kind of hang in here, maybe drop a question here and there. But uh, you and I kind of talking. You know, here we are. Temperatures have dropped. Uh, you know, it's isn't it? Is how important is it these days with these? these vehicles and the technology to still winterize our vehicles. Oh, absolutely. There's still there's still engine coolant antifreeze and uh cars can still freeze up. We've had cold days. Uh you know, you know, your your high school chemistry tells you water freezes at 32. You mix water with antifreeze in a 50/50 mix, you protect the engine down to minus 34 degrees. Um if it gets colder than that, move. Um <laughs> it's <laughs> so it's still and engine coolant is one of those things that depending on the manufacturer can have a very finite life. It might only last two or three years and needs to be serviced and flushed out and new coolant put in. Some manufacturers, Audi for instance, is one that says um it can last the life of the vehicle. Uh, not so sure about that, but still, it's one of those things you need to think about. Same thing with fan belts, drive belts, radiator hoses, the engine thermostat. All of those things can wear out over time, so it's still important going into winter to make sure the engine coolant's in good shape, all the belts and hoses are in good shape, make sure the heater's working the way it should, make sure the wipers are in good shape. There's nothing worse than driving in the wintertime and trying to smack the ice off the windshield wipers as you're driving. You might want to think about switching over to winter wiper blades. Um, good, A good battery is important. Make sure the oil is changed. Synthetic oil, 
Not for everyone, but for a lot of vehicles today, they use synthetic oil or synthetic blends. And the fresher the oil, the easier it is for the car to crank over. And temperature makes a real difference. A good battery at 32 degrees or so has lost about 30% of its capacity. When the temperatures get down to zero, it takes almost twice as much energy to crank the engine over. So if you have a battery that started your car September, October, November... On one of these cold days where you got up and it's 8 degrees outside, the first day it might start, the second day, probably not. So have the battery. If the battery's more than 3 years old, get it tested. If it's more than 5 or 6 years old and you're still driving around with it, you might even want to think about replacing it just so you don't have to you know, worry about having to you know, call somebody to get a jump start. Yeah, yeah. I, it's important. Cold cranking amps is what you look for in a, in a good battery. You want to make sure that battery will turn over. That's right. You want to, and, and that's a good point. You also want to make sure that if your car came with a 525 cold cranking amp battery and you go to the auto parts store or your local garage and you say, what do you got? And they go, well, we have this battery for $125, but it's only 325 cold cranking amps. You don't want that. You want one that's at least equal to what you put in there, if not better. And somewhere, and I don't know when it happened, apparently they make batteries out of gold now. Because they have gotten very expensive. Oh, yeah. And no, they're not really made out of gold. They're still made out of lead. But they have gotten very expensive. And there was a time where you could buy a a $50 battery or $60 battery. The average battery today, you you know, go to the average, you know, auto parts store. Expensive. You're going to pay close to a couple hundred dollars. A AAA, you know, will come out and install a battery in most cars for a couple hundred bucks. Uh, It can go up, though. It can go up to 250 And, you know, you, you, you know, batteries got expensive. It's interesting you say that because I'm just like thinking back to 20, 25 years ago when you had carbureted vehicles and trying to start it, trying to start a car on a cold morning and it taking more than just a couple of turns of the engine and it's starting, right? Nowadays, today's vehicles are so good if you maintain them well that they should start almost instantly. If you got a good battery that has good cold, uh, you know, the cold cranking amps are to spec of what the, you know, the, um, the manufacturer, uh, suggests, whatever your, your manual will say. And you're talking about batteries. I remember buying $50 batteries, but you also had to fill the cells and you had to charge them. These days, your batteries are maintenance free. Don't dip, pop those, those little things on top, leave it alone because it's, it's good for several years. Am I correct? Absolutely. And the other thing is, one thing to be aware of, though, um, all batteries have a date code on them. Sometimes it's, you know, trying to figure out how, you know, how old the, you know, the Campbell soup can is. But other times it has a very specific, you know, it'll say, you know, uh, 1023 on it. So, you know, that that battery was manufactured in October of 2023. Um, You don't want to take a battery that's more than six months old. Uh, because as soon as that battery comes off the assembly line at the battery factory, it starts to degrade. It starts to sulfate. It starts to wear itself out. So you don't want to get a battery that is two or three years old. Um, and that's entirely possible. I talked to somebody just the other day that got a battery for um, an, an RV. And they said they got it home and they noticed, oh, wait, this this thing's two years old. And I said to them, Put it back, you know, take it back out of your RV, go back to the auto parts store, tell them you want a fresh one. Because they will 
they will they will degrade over time. So try to get a battery that has a fairly recent date code on it. Yeah, it's like shopping in a, in a, um, in a regular grocery store. Don't grab a gallon of milk that's going to, you know, the expiration date is tomorrow. I usually look back and make sure mm-hmm. it's good for a few days and exactly what you should do. Let, let's talk about start when you start your vehicle. And myself, I may tend to, if I'm in a little bit of a rush, start it up, let it run for a minute or two, and then go. Is that bad? a bad idea? Should I let it run, let the oil circulate for five to ten minutes, or am I good to let it start and, and go in a couple of minutes? Here's what, here's what you need to do. Once you, once you get in your car, start it up, get yourself comfortable, put your seatbelt on, put the radio on, 95.9. Seat warmers on. That's <laughs> seat warmers. Ding, ding, ding. Um, that's about all you really need to do to warm up a car. The important part is drive it nice and easy until you actually start to feel some heat come out of the heater. You can let your car run for an hour in your driveway. And the cabin will be nice and warm. But think about all the rest of the stuff that didn't get warm. The brakes mm-hmm. are still cold. Sure. The suspension's still cold. Transmission fluid's not, hasn't been circulating the way it would when you're driving. Differential fluid hasn't changed, at all, hasn't moved at all. It's going to be dead cold still. So all these things are going to be cold. And the engine is going to be fine. The engine's going to, the engine's going to warm up. So... On a really, if you got out and it was minus 30 degrees outside, yeah, you'd want to let the car warm up for a few minutes to get everything circulating around. But yeah, today's fuel-injected cars, they don't have to crank over for very long. The thin oil that we run today, when when I first started to repair cars a million years ago, you know, we were putting straight 30-weight oil in. Wintertime, maybe we'd put 20-weight oil in. 20W50 was the preferred oil for a lot of cars. Um, today, it's 020 oil, 5W20 oil, 5W30 oil. It's thin oil that lubricates quickly when it's cold, and especially synthetic oil. Synthetic oil tends to flow a lot better in cold weather, so you get better lubrication. So you don't need to worry about that, but you still want to take it easy. Some cars, Subaru is one, Volkswagen's another. On a very cold day, you'll start the car up, and a blue light will come on on the dash. What that means is take it easy until the light goes out, and that means the the rest of the car is warmed up and ready to go. So what about if I, what if I bought myself a new electric vehicle? Okay, Do, does it take long for those to warm up? Northeast, you're in trouble. <laughs> um, th- just like everything that runs on batteries... Um, they batteries batteries have an batteries have an issue with cold weather. So first off, if we go to the Tachi Mansion and plug in your electric car, <laughs> McMansion, uh, yes. McMansion, yeah, and plug in your electric car, what's happening? Well, it's plugged into shore power, for want of a better word. You set it up so fifteen minutes before you get in the car, it it starts to go through some battery systems, it warms up the car, it maybe turns the seat heaters on. So when you're getting in the car, it's already warm. You disconnect the battery, and you're going to see that your range is diminished. It's not unusual with a battery car on cold weather that um, you might lose 30% of the range. So you might have a car that's got a 230-mile range. On a really cold day, that might drop to 150 miles. And that's, you know, if you've ever left your cell phone in the car overnight on a cold day and you mm. left it in there when it was a just about a full charge and you get in the morning and you go look and you go, oh, geez, it's down to 20%. Well, same thing kind of happens with car with uh, electric vehicle batteries. So 
you know, the other thing to keep in mind, we're, you know, when it comes to electric vehicles, we're sort of in the Model T age of electric cars. You Ooh. know, they've, they've been around for 10 or 15 years. You know, if you look at Tesla as being popular, you know, maybe 10 years or so. But it's still, we're still a little in the infancy still. And the infrastructure, if you read all of that stuff about what happened in Chicago last week when it got really cold, and I think the headline from one news agency said a bunch of dead robots in the parking lot. Yep, saw well, that. Part, yeah, part of what that was, um, if you bought an electric car, chances are you would charge your car while you're home. So every day you're going to start the car with with a full tank of electrons. You're going to have a fully charged battery. Your car is going to go 150 or 200 miles between charges. In Chicago, a lot of um, ride-hailing drivers, Uber and Lyft drivers, have electric vehicles because there's a deal to to with some of the electric car makers that you can drive for Uber or Lyft and the money just comes right out of your, your Uber or Lyft account. And so those drivers tend to charge publicly. They ch- tend to charge at public charging stations. Well, imagine when it gets really cold and people are looking for Uber and Lyft drivers or Uber and Lyft vehicles and these folks are all at the charging stations and the other thing that happened was it got really really cold and it got really really cold after some rain so some of the handle to the charging plug were literally frozen into the charging system and i mean you know if you've ever you know you go in cold weather and something's frozen it's frozen and that you know people don't want to go out there and they don't want to um you know yank and you know yank on the thing and cause all kinds of problems so um so it's it's you know it's one of those things we're still working through. And again, for you know, eighty percent of the people that have electric cars charge at home. They have home charging stations. Uh, it's the most economical way to do it, unless you can find some place to charge for free. Um, but public charging is somewhat convenient, but it's not perfect. Where I live on Cape Cod, the best public charging is at um, the Cape Cod Mall. They have quite a few charging stations around. Um, I don't have, I, I can plug into 110 volts at my house, but if I have a, a fully electric car and it's and the battery's almost dead at 110 volts, it's going to take three days to charge a car up. Wow. I, can, I can charge up at a 350 kilowatt electric vehicle charging station to about 90% of the battery life in about 20 minutes, and which isn't terrible. Um, so electric cars, they're getting there. And, you know, solid-state batteries are making some headlines now. Different battery chemical constructions are, are making some, you know, some things are going on with that. So there's a few things going on with different different battery technology. And, again, I think, uh, you know, we live in kind of a golden age of the automobile right now. You can go out and you can buy an electric car if you want. You can go out and buy a hybrid car. You can go out and get the combination, the plug-in hybrid, where you can drive 20 or 30 miles on battery and then if you have a long trip it switches over to gasoline and behaves like a hybrid you can go out and you know buy a 500 horsepower gasoline car you can still go out and buy some diesels you know we live in a time where there's a lot of choices right now whether electric vehicles are going to be the only thing on the market in 10 or 15 years I personally don't think that's going to be the case. Um, I think for a lot of people, electric vehicles might work, and it, and it might work as their primary vehicle, depending on how you drive. It might be, and I got I got kind of uh, uh, 
I don't know, t- taking a task. I, I said, uh, you know, the, the future may be the hybrid garage where you have a battery car and uh, maybe a plug-in battery or a gasoline car for those long trips or, you know, going, you know, going to the dump or, you know, pickup truck to tow your, you know, tow your boat or camping trailer with. And people are like, well, yeah, you know, not everybody can afford two cars. And I'm like, yeah, yeah I know, but a lot of people have two cars and, and an electric car might work for somebody. Um, you know, my, my wife, um, when I was commuting a hundred and so miles round trip back and forth to the AAA office, um, my wife would drive you know, seven miles back and forth to work. So for her, an electric car would have been perfect. Right. Well, let's let's talk. And again, we're speaking with John Paul, uh, host of The Car Doctor, every Sunday from 11 a.m. to noon. And uh, you we're talking about, you know, the automotive industry, fixing vehicles, cold weather. Um, and great segue because you talk about, you know, if you're in the market for a vehicle, what is the used market like these days? I, I know... You know, towards the tail end of COVID, uh, when we're coming out, it, it, cars were at a premium. You were having issues. Um, you know, if you bought a new vehicle, the chip market was a big deal. Um, getting vehicles repaired was a problem because of parts, and there was there were shortages. What is it like today in twenty twenty four to be able to buy to buy a vehicle, and is it afford is it affordable? Um, used cars have gone down in price. They're still, I think, still overpriced for what we're seeing, and some of it has to do with in- inventory. Late model used cars really suffered because at the beginning of COVID, um, all of the car rental agencies, Hertz, Avis, you know, Budget, all of those, decided they weren't going to buy cars because they're like, who's going to travel during COVID? Well, come to find out, everyone wanted to travel during COVID. Yep. They just right. didn't want to. They just couldn't do, go by plane, and they wanted to rent a car somewhere. I was well, a, we, we, I've been a victim of that. I was a victim yeah. of that snafu there in Hilton, really? Hilton Head, South Carolina. No one could rent a car. Like you had a family of five, and they're giving you like a Dodge Challenger with five hundred horsepower. Zoom. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> seriously, they, they were doing donuts with it. It was hilarious. Four miles to a gallon. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. Or or people were going to U-Haul and they were renting a U-Haul pickup truck. Um, oh, yeah, because yeah, yeah. $20 because, a day, right? Yeah, 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 because that was cheaper than, you know, trying to get a rental car. Well, what happened was all of those cars that didn't get traded out of the, the rental fleet didn't go into the used car fleet. So that kind of two-year-old car price went way up, which consequently drove the rest of the prices up. So what we're starting to see, if you, if you look at used car pricing now, it has settled every month for the past seven or eight months. It, it has settled back down and come down. And inventory has gone up a little bit, too. So we're seeing more cars. Um, unless you're buying something that's extraordinarily popular, you're probably going to find it on the lot. Um, you're going to see them. They're going to be there. Fortunately, especially with a new car, you're pr- you're buying pretty close to MSRP. You're buying pretty close to what we always said: negotiate down from MSRP. Now we're still, you know, we're still looking at that used car, still still pricey, um, but better. We're seeing more competition, um, uh, but there's still there there. It's not unusual today to see maybe a. And I'm kind of making it up a little bit. A 2010 Toyota 4Runner, great car, good potential of going three or four hundred thousand miles. Sometimes it might have 180 thousand miles on it. And they're looking for 20 grand yeah. on this car that's 14 mm-hmm. years old that's got 200 thousand miles on it. 
kind of ridiculous when you think about spending that kind of money, but that's the market right now. Again, it is softening somewhat, uh, but higher interest rates have killed some of the killed some of all of that. And again, jumping back in the time machine, you look back 15, 20 years ago, buying a vehicle, you know, a lot of times the end of life for a vehicle might have been 150, 160,000. Um, not too long ago, helping the missus look for a new car. And I was see, seeing people that would have, they were selling cars with, like you said, 180, 190, 210,000 miles. That's and I'm like, crazy. holy cow. Yeah. Yeah. You know, is it like a shoe? You're just breaking it in? I well, mean- it, it is kind of funny because back um, when I was a kid and I was, I don't know, 18 years old or something, and I remember going to a parking lot and there was a Pontiac with the hood open. There was a bunch of guys, a bunch of old guys standing around. They were probably 25. But, you know, when you're 16 or 17, they looked old. And I, and I was like, <laughs> what's going on? And they're, and they're like... Uh, well, this Pontiac here has 80,000 miles on it, and the valve covers have never been off. Because it wasn't unusual for a car, especially a car in the 60s and early 70s, that you would do a valve job at thirty or 40,000 miles. You'd do an engine overhaul at eighty or 100,000 miles, if you even kept it. Yeah. Um, today, we're seeing cars with pretty minimal maintenance easily going 150 or 200,000 yeah. miles. So, you know, a little bit of maintenance, oil changes, coolant changes, transmission fluid changes, things like that, can really extend the life of a car. And today you can see cars that are going 250 or 300,000 miles. It's funny you, you mentioned that, you're taking care of it. I mean, you don't have to do spark plugs like you used to back right. in the day, every, every 30,000 miles, because it's quite an undertaking in order to be able to pull those spark plugs out. It, it can it can be. There's some that are buried under intake manifolds. You have to take the intake manifold off, and even four-cylinder cars, some of the Chrysler four-cylinders, you have to take the intake manifold off. It's not a terribly complicated job, but it's one more thing that makes it more difficult. And, and again, we would do spring and fall tune-ups. We'd do a tune-up in the springtime, yep. a tune-up in the fall, points, plugs, condenser, yep. all that old-fashioned stuff. Today, you know, the average car, the spark plugs are changed at 100,000 miles or 100, 110,000 miles. So you're going, you know, literally 8 to 10 years without putting spark plugs in a car. And, you know, other than some some filters and a uh, few other little minor things, not a lot. But do the basic maintenance and follow, follow the instruction in the owner's manual. You know, the owner's manual is the least read book ever published i guess so um you know pick it up see what it says to do there's some things that you may have skipped over that's that are important follow them and uh, try to find a good good repair shop someplace someplace you can trust and um and let them try to guide you with the things that need to be done with the vehicle i will say it's hit the nail on the head finding a good trustworthy auto a place a mechanic who's going to fix your vehicle not upsell you, not replace replace things, and then tell you, oh well, because I've had that. I've had a couple yeah. of different, you know, local. I won't say any names where they, you know, they they. Oh, your battery died, so we 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 replaced. It's one hundred fifty dollars. What? Yeah, yeah. Why yeah. did you call me? Yeah. No, let's replace it. No, yeah. that doesn't work. That no, way. And, and and what can happen though at certain once you have built built up a rapport with your shop, yep. and the shop has built up a rapport with you. You might come in and they say, hey, you know, Kevin, um, you're really going to think about needing a battery in that because it looks like it's really at the end of its life. And you would have probably said, why didn't you just do it while it was here? 
And, you know, after a while, you just, you would have said, oh, we put a battery in it was here, and you would have said, thank you for doing that so I can get up and go to work the next day. Yeah, you know, it's funny you mentioned the battery. I had a battery put in, and then it died a year later. And I didn't realize I had a warranty. Now I understand I have a warranty. But where it died, I had taken it to a different mechanic. I'm like, can't be the battery. I just put a battery in. So they end up replacing the battery. Unbeknownst to me, the old one was under warranty, but because I replaced the old one in another spot, I went back to the other place to get the warranty, and they said, no, we had to do it. Um, we had, so because you didn't replace the battery with us, we had to do it. We can't We can't give you a credit or anything like that. So well, I they would have prorated you, too. Been like, just, they didn't do any of that, so you know what I did? I told them... Give me the battery then. Just give me the battery. And yeah, they gave me the, me the battery, battery. and I ended up say. selling it on Facebook That's Marketplace. That's exactly what I would have done. But yeah, just I'm like, well, the then just give me the battery. I mean, I may as well recoup some of my losses here. Right. Yeah. Well, as we, we wrap up here, uh, anything uh, you want to share with our listeners, John Paul, as to any of the, the tips and the information that you share uh, on a regular basis uh, on your radio show and some of the published articles that you do? Well, if people want to read anything I do, you can go to boston.com. You'll find my column there. You can find, uh, you can if you're listening kind of more towards Bristol County area, uh, Providence Journal runs and the projo.com runs my column. If you're up in the Quincy area, uh, uh, Bob Bosworth runs my column in the Quincy Sun all the time. So look around. A lot of the papers will will carry my columns. Uh, you can just Google uh, AAA Car Doctor. You can find... Uh, I write I write three columns a week for a variety of different publications. And if you're around on Sunday morning at 11, this Sunday we're going to be talking to Kyle Brower from... Uh, he's the executive analyst for IC Cars. We're going to talk about the used car market. And then Brandon Garcia, vice president of... Uh, uh, marketing for Hemings Motor News. So, a lot of stuff going on. Well, we want to thank you for joining us, and we want to thank the folks who t- tuned in, Corey, Jared as well. Thanks, Kevin. Uh, Pleasure. Monday Night Talk at gmail.com. Until next week at 6.15 p.m., have a great evening. The South Shore's first choice for live team coverage of breaking news, emergency traffic, and severe weather. 95.9 WATD-FM Marshfield and 95.9 WATD.com.